sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Well, our topic today is uh, what we hope will be an upcoming Supreme Court case on a very important topic, religious discrimination in the workplace. Our guest today, Stephanie Taub, is Senior Counsel at First Liberty Institute, which is based in Texas. Stephanie, welcome to Freedom's Ring. Wonderful. Thank you for having me on. So the case is called Gerald Groff against Louis DeJoy, the uh, esteemed postmaster of the United States Postal Service. Tell us a synopsis of what Mr. Groff's case is all about. So this is a case that's really about religious accommodations and what religious accommodations employers are required to give their employees of faith. And so it has the potential to impact really a vast number of religious employees across the country. And so this case, Gerald's case, is specifically about the Sabbath. So he takes the Sabbath on Sunday very seriously, and he needs to take the Sabbath in as a day to keep holy. So he seriously takes the Sabbath. And because of this, he was looking for a place of work where he wouldn't be required to work on Sundays. And that led him to the post office because for decades, uh, the post office did not do work on Sundays. But then the post office entered into a contract with Amazon to start delivering some packages on Sundays. So he started being scheduled for work on Sundays. And he asked for a religious accommodation from the post office. And they were able to make a few things work for a little while. But then the post office ultimately did not give him a religious accommodation. And so after a while, they kept scheduling him on Sundays. They stopped looking for a permanent solution and really just ignored their obligations under the law. So this case, this Supreme Court case, really turns on whether employers have to look for a meaningful accommodation for people of faith who are facing these sorts of issues, whether it comes to the Sabbath or any other kind of any other kind of religious accommodation that you need if you need to take breaks during the day for prayer if you need to wear certain head coverings because of your religious faith um so these are all various kinds of accommodations that impact people of a variety of different faiths and really when you think about it requiring availability any day of the week will affect people of many different religions now i need to give a disclaimer here uh, you know, but our listeners don't, that I have been representing Mr. Graf and uh, was lead counsel at the trial level. Now the case, of course, has proceeded up on appeal, and uh, uh, we're squarely before, well, we hope to be squarely before the Supreme Court. But the the real issue before the Supreme Court has to do with the defense that employers put up when they don't provide religious accommodations and they wind up disciplining or firing people because they won't violate their faith. And the defense is for an employer to say, well, it's a, it's an undue hardship. It's too difficult. It's too costly. And 
So what is it that the Supreme Court did years ago to really tip the scales in favor of employers and, and really make it so that they really uh, they win these cases way too often? And if you take a look at the federal employment discrimination law, it says that employers are required to grant reasonable accommodations unless there is undue hardship on the business. And so, but there is this case, as you mentioned, in the 1970s, 1977, TWA v. Hardison, that essentially gutted the protections for religious employees. And it redefined the term undue hardship to mean anything more than a de minimis burden on the business. And this is a a very employer-friendly standard that makes it very difficult for employees of faith who have these um, who have these sincere religious beliefs um, to be able to find work. They could be barred from entire swaths of the um, of the workforce, entire jobs or different sectors because they have these requirements that could limit their employment opportunities. Um, so this is very important for this. We're asking the Supreme Court to really return to what Congress said return to the text of the Civil Rights Act, which requires employers to grant these meaningful religious accommodations to people of faith. Right. Unless, I mean, you know, what does undue hardship mean? It means something more than simply a hardship. And de minimis is Latin for not very much, right? Minimal. To associate de minimis with undue hardship makes no sense whatsoever. But, you know, the courts tend to add insult to injury here because, like, in this case, even under the de minimis standard, the post office didn't prove its case. But courts too often will rubber stamp what, you know, they're business friendly and they will rubber stamp what the employers do and let them off the hook. And that's what the trial court did here. That's what the Third Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals did. Even when the evidence just doesn't support it, the courts will, you know, turn a blind eye and uh, rule in favor of, of the employer. Absolutely. Because you're, you're right. If you look at the words undue hardship, that sounds like they have to show that it actually would be a problem for the business to grant these accommodations. But if you look at the post office, it's a huge, it's a huge corporation. There's plenty of options for them to have transferred him to a different post or scheduled him to work all he was willing to work on holidays that as long as they weren't on Sunday. And so to schedule him for those sorts of days or to find there are so many options that they really didn't put in the effort. And the thing is that this is common, that employers often think that they can just point to this de minimis standard and and that's it. And mm-hmm. that they don't have to provide religious accommodation. Well, and in this case, you know, the testimony what from the guy who did the scheduling was well, as long as I was allowed to do the schedule and knowing that he wasn't going to work on Sunday, we had no problem. But then, you know, the higher up said, no, you have to keep scheduling him on Sunday. And that's when there was a problem because he'd call in on Saturday and tell them, well, you know, I'm not coming in tomorrow. And so then they had to, you know, scramble and cover it at the last minute which that was the problem. Not that he wasn't working on Sunday, but the higher-ups wouldn't let them plan accordingly. Absolutely. And really going back to the point you made earlier, when you're talking about the plain meaning of undue hardship, um, and the thing is that 
this isn't the first time that this term has been used. It's used in other civil rights acts, statutes protecting different protected classes. And but the thing is, it's treated differently here in the religion context. And so it's important. We're calling not only for a return to the plain meaning, not only returning to what Congress intended, but also to make it uniform, to make sure that we're treating similar situations similarly and treating interpreting the words the same across different statutes. So, you know, Stephanie, I want to put this in a little bit of historical context for our listeners, because I've been part of an effort to get Congress to amend the statute going back about 30 years now. You know, Congress enacted the Americans with Disabilities Act in, I want to say 19, it was either 90 or 91. I always get it mixed up. And I remember when it passed and we saw the language of undue hardship there, it was defined, they gave a definition in that act that an undue hardship is a significant difficulty or expense. And I should point out for listeners, either in California or some other states, there are several states that have adopted that significant difficulty or expense standard in their own state laws concerning religious accommodation. But we've been trying to get Congress to, you know, adopt that same definition since the mid-1990s to apply it to religion. And the problem that we run into is we lose support from Democrats and Republicans for different reasons. The Democrats don't want to support it because they're afraid that if there's vigorous protection for religious accommodation, religious people are going to somehow use that to the disadvantage of the LGBT community to harass people. And of course, we point out that there's plenty of harassment of religious people, and we don't want, you know, people of faith to be harassed by others because of their faith either. So, you know, accommodation does not really endorse or somehow condone harassment, right? There's plenty of hostility, you know, between Muslims and Jews and Christians and, you know, everybody all around. So, so that's not a good excuse, but Democrats have been reluctant to support it. And Republicans, you know, for all of the rhetoric we've heard about, you know, supporting religion, at least historically, uh, they have been on the pro-business side and unwilling to take up the side of religious employees because of their commitment to, uh, you know, basically the interests of business in terms of those interests. So, you know, we have... Uh, phenomenally failed over three decades to get Congress to take a look at this. And now there have been a series of efforts to get the Supreme Court. And talk to us about how uh, some of the justices have said, yeah, they're ready to take a look at this, right? That's absolutely right. So a few years ago, in the first time that the Coach Kennedy case before the Supreme Court came before the Supreme Court, four justices on um, said Maybe they hinted that maybe it's time to reconsider the Hardison standard. They said we haven't been asked to that at this time, hint, hint. So after that, then there have been th three or so different petitions asking the Supreme Court to take take up their case and to readdress the hard whether Hardison is good law, whether it made a mistake in gutting the gutting the language of the Title Seven. Who were the four in the Coach Kennedy case? Yeah, so that was um, before Justice Barrett joined the court. So it was Gorsuch, Alito, Kavanaugh, and 
I don't think it was. I don't think it was Roberts. Um, I can look that one up. Thomas. Yeah, Thomas does it. And then so that's um, so that was the first of a few different um, concurrences, dissents, where they're indicating that some of the justices are really waiting for the right case to take to address this very important issue. And we think that this. This case is exactly the perfect case. It tees up the, the legal issue. It entirely turns on this legal issue of what is the right way to interpret undue hardship. And so we're asking the Supreme Court to correct this mistake that they made in the 70s and really return us to this standard that's friendly to religious employees. Well, for one, I'm so appreciative of the work that First Liberty has done on this. Um, I'm not sure when this show will broadcast. We're recording at the end of August. The petition has been filed. Friend of the Court briefs are due in uh, later in September. And uh, when are we going to actually know from the court? When you know what's the time frame to expect the court to make a decision? They don't have to take the case, right? Right. So the court, after the briefs are in, they will set it for a conference and decide whether or not they're going to take this case. So we will expect the response brief and all of the friend of the court briefs on our side are due at the end of September. And then the reply will be due a couple of weeks later. So it'd probably be set for conference sometime the end of October. So we could know as soon as as then, or it could be um, sometimes they, they wait a little bit and think about some of these cases before deciding what to do. So hopefully sometime by the end of the year, we'll know whether or not um, whether or not they're going to take this case. Well, one thing that encourages me is right now there really are no other religion cases on the court's docket. There's one sort of religion case that's really a free speech case, but, well, we are certainly praying. Our guest today has been Stephanie Taub, Senior Counsel at First Liberty Institute. We're talking about a case called Gerald Groff against the post office really is is the defendant stephanie thanks for being with us on freedom's ring thank you for having me on as always friends this has been freedom's ring i'm your host alan reinach until next week let freedom ring